morning to everyone, and so thankful to see you and be able to be here together. It's, uh, it's already been a good day with Matt Adams teaching Sunday school. It was an excellent lesson, and uh, I just really enjoy Matt's teaching. Matt, I appreciate it, appreciate the time and uh, your availability, so it's uh, very encouraging each week that we get to hear you and others also, of course. But I'm especially thankful for my wife being here today. She's been out with COVID, and uh, I'm, I'm very grateful. I think this is the longest that she's been out, apart from her knee replacement that she had uh, last September. And uh, she's just, uh, we just try not to miss church. I mean, you know, but it's kind of amazing. The older we've gotten, we're both in our 70s, and uh, things have come up, and it's kind of, uh, she's, well, yeah, was I not supposed to say that? But anyway, uh, I'm glad she's here. She's, uh, she had a pretty rough, rough time. I'm just glad it wasn't the, the strain that, you know, puts you on the ventilator, because I imagine we might have been both on the ventilator. But uh, anyway, we... We've survived, Lord willing, and uh, I'm glad she's here and thankful for that. And she gave me that squeeze. Some of you that don't know, you know, when we're, I'm sitting there beside her, right before I get up to preach every Sunday morning, she squeezes my arm. And that gives me a little extra incentive, a little extra push, a little punch, whatever you want to call it. So I've kind of missed that the last few Sundays, so hopefully you'll see a difference in the sermon. I don't know. But uh, so we've been in a little mini series and it's dealing with the devil, spiritual warfare, whatever you want to title it. But we're this is the third Sunday and I want to continue. Now, this is amazing. And Matt, I was listening to what, how you said you were preparing your lesson and everything. And, and what was so amazing about my preparation for this week is I was I I had an end in sight that I was gonna get to, but as I went through this, I never got to it. So it means I'll have something along the same lines the next time I'm up. And uh, so, but it but it is amazing how the Lord leads and just start things start flowing and and uh, when I'm writing, I still handwrite all of my sermons on, on a legal pad, you know, for, I don't pull out. I've got, I've got thousands of thousands of sermons that I don't pull them out and pop them in the toaster. I start fresh every week. And, um, uh, and so I'm handwriting it. It's just amazing how it, once you get going, it just starts flowing. But let's turn to the book of Ephesians, if you will. This has kind of been our takeoff point about dealing with the devil and spiritual warfare, because the church, the church, and when I say the church, not just North Belt, but the church is under spiritual attack in all kind of ways. Uh, I believe Christian families, and I believe especially, especially conservative Christian families, are under attack, and I believe that generally all believers are under attack. And let me just say this, and it really makes sense. I believe pastors, 
elders and teachers, any, any leader in the church is under extra spiritual attack. Because, you know, no offense to anyone, no offense to anyone, but if an elder falls, I believe personally, it's my opinion, that it makes a bigger splash than the guy that's here one Sunday and not the next. It, it just, and Satan knows that, and he knows how to attack. And so he, he goes after pastors and, and elders. And, it, and it's not surprising at all that you hear stories that um, pastors' children turn out not doing well. And they don't seem to, a lot of them don't seem to follow the Lord uh, the way they were trained. So let's look at, um, let's begin in verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong. And we ought to just really accept this as a personal word from God. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And that word, you need to pay attention. And I've, you have it highlighted or underlined. Stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18, you can't leave that one out. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Lot there, and we understand that the armor of God, all those different pieces, that's all all the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all Him. It's, it's, it's who He is. So let's have a word of prayer before we go any further, and uh, then we'll dive into this and we'll see, see what we can uh, learn. Father, we are very grateful to You for the Word of God. We thank You for the power and the authority that as we just stand and read, there's just power in reading the Word of God. No other book, no, no commentaries, no... No other book can do what this book can do. Just the power that comes out of it and flows through it and uh, energizes. And I just thank you for it. Thank you for the reading of God's Word. Thank you that we can look into your Word today and that you can show us some things that will be important for our everyday life, for us to deal with as we, as we deal with uh, the wickedness and the wiles of the devil that you would encourage us and you'd help us to be able to stand and stand against all the evil things that are coming against the church and against us as believers. Pray for those that are lost, that you would save them before it's too late for them and that they would be saved, gloriously saved,
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My approach to preaching, and most of you have figured this out in 36 years, is very simple. I like to preach where I believe a four to six-year-old can get something out of it. Now, that comes very easy for me. <laughs> Does anybody get that? <laughs> so I just, I'm just doing what God's given me to do, and I'm targeting six-year-olds. So uh, if, you, if you fall in that category, great. But just basically stay with the Word of God. Don't deviate from the Word of God. And, and aim for people to be able to benefit and get something from it. Um, you, you've heard me say this, and I, I know there's all kind of debate on just about everything you say. I mean, you could say something and somebody say, well, I don't I come from another angle. But I really like to teach the truth of God's Word, but I like to see some practical applications. I like to, when you, the Scripture says I'm to love my wife, I, I want to know, all right, there she is. Somebody help me. I need to know how to actually put that into action. And so that's kind of what I've zeroed in on for these years. And um, 47 years, it, we, I, I left the Houston Police Department in, in 1975. 47 years, I've pastored five different churches, and we've dealt with hundreds of people from different backgrounds. We've dealt with Yankees. And <laughs> who was that? <laughs> Dale, good Dale. And then we've dealt with those that got to Texas as fast as they could. And, uh, and then you've heard me tell the story about the, a doctor from Sweden that got saved and he wanted to be baptized in the ocean. So the closest ocean we had was Trinity Bay. So I lead him out there in the Trinity Bay, and the tide was out. People are crabbing off the pier, and they're dressed every kind of way. Sunday afternoon, he wanted to be baptized in the ocean, insisted, not a baptistry, not a horse trough, the ocean. But to get him where I could dunk him, I had to go out almost a mile and a half or so, you know, to get out there because the tide was out. And if I'd have known about all the alligators that are out there, which I didn't know at the time that they were actually in that area, that I knew they were in Cotton Lake. I didn't know they were right there in Trinity Bay. But I'm not sure that he could have taught me into that one. But um, So we've learned a few things. We've been exposed to a few things about spiritual warfare. Uh, I've been associated with pastors that actually claimed, and I've been in some of the sessions with them, that they claim they've cast out demons out of people. I've, I've been present when all that was going on. I've, I've been around a lot of people, some people that believe there's a demon under every leaf. I mean, everything, everything they see, it's a, a demon's doing that, behind that. And then I've dealt with people that don't believe it at all. They don't believe anything about spiritual warfare or demons or the principalities and powers. They really just don't. They just kind of put it aside. I do believe it's important that Christians, um, and especially I'm speaking today to our church, 
that we're, we not ignore scriptural truth about the spiritual battle that we're in. Um, Ephesians 6 is one example, but I, I do believe that's pretty clear about our, for we wrestle not, we war not against flesh and blood. And I wish Christians could get that. I really do. Out of all these years, you know, seeing people go after each other, we're not each other's enemies, and that's so sad. And I do believe that the devil wins. I mean, anytime that happens, there's conflict between believers, the devil wins. And But we wrestle not, we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wicked and high, wickedness in high places. So I do believe the Bible teaches that there is a spiritual fight, a spiritual battle going on that we're engaged in, and some don't want to acknowledge it. Some want to stick their head in the sand like an ostrich and ignore it, and some don't want to even talk about it. But I think it's important to talk about some things uh, the verse that I was actually going to be really zeroing in was on today, and I have to put it off for another time, is 2 Corinthians 10.4. But I'll, I'll just read this to say, to point out that there is a spiritual battle, because this verse says, the weapons of our warfare, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual. So, so we need to be aware. I really believe that it's important for the church to recognize the fight we're in and not ignore it. Now, just a couple of, I like to do practical. So let me just share a couple of quick practical thoughts that might help you, might not, I don't know. It's kind of been encouraging to me to think about here's the devil and he is uh, the, he's a, a liar, deceiver, he's full of deceptions. But what we have learned is that he doesn't have just an endless supply of so many different tricks and lies. He kind of has one bag of tricks. And he uses those same ones, and we've seen it. We see it in families over and over and over. He has these lies and deceptions. You have to keep in mind, he's a liar. He can't tell the truth. He's a deceiver. John 10.10 10 says, The thief cometh but not but to steal and to kill and destroy. I come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Steal kill, and destroy. Now, to those who are aware and you're, you're engaged, you're sensitive, um, it's important that you think in terms of demonic activity going on in the world. There's a lot of it, and people really don't I don't, unless you really are reminded of it or somebody just says, like I'm doing today, 
All right, let's call attention to this. We have a drug problem in America where people are dying, especially in cities. They are dying from overdoses to these drugs that are being smuggled in from the borders. Now, I'm going to share this, I believe, is my opinion. That these drugs, this is demonic activity. You need to start seeing things like through the eyes have the mind, Dick, the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So with the mind of Christ, you need to be able to look at situations and, and say, okay, drugs, overdose, death. I think that goes along with John 10. Certain type music. And people really get uncomfortable. And they really, people really, and I've had it, you know, as they get very defensive over their personal choices in music. And boy, I mean, they, they come at you like, all right, prove it. How do you tell? You say, and I say, well, I can just tell in my spirit. Not good enough. But here's the thing. When music promotes unfaithfulness to your husband or wife, that's demonic. And God's people said what? And again, come on now. I mean, we need to... When it promotes immoral behavior, I believe it's demonic. I believe when it promotes disrespect for authority, it's demonic. So you've got drugs and you've got music. And, and by the way, folks, let me just say, there are things going on today in people's homes that 40 years ago, they would have absolutely gone right like a rocket ship through the roof. No, you're not going to show that in my house. Because it's so gradual. It's so slow. It comes on us and we are lulled like the frog in the pan of water. It comes on us so slow and we are so ignorant of Satan's devices. So you've got drugs and it's running rampant. And by the way, illegal, but also there can be a real abuse of prescription drugs. Alcohol. Oh, how that, oh, that just some people just absolutely come off the table when you start talking about alcohol. And, you know, prove it to me, prove it to me. A little wine's good for the stomach. And on and on, I've, I've dealt with this. All I know is this, I am a teetotaler till the end. I stand against and impose to alcohol anything that causes my mind to be under its control rather than the Holy Spirit's control. It dulls your conscience. Listen, I just ha I'm going to say it. You say, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. So don't challenge me on you don't know what you're talking about, because I do. 
And I am very, very, very opposed to alcoholic drinks. I've seen the damage. I've seen the hurt. I've seen the families destroyed. You see them drunk. People, listen, if people got as upset over DWIs as they do over AR-15s, our country would be changed. You don't say, why? Why is it like that? Well, because all the politicians are all drinking around. Not all of them. But I mean, they're not going to try to make laws against alcohol because they're all sipping on that stuff. But boy, they want to ban a gun. Whew, don't get me started. Mind control. It's proven. It's a fact. It slows your response down, especially when you're driving, but anytime. Officers, officers, and those that are in tune, that are many Christians have told me, and I've personally experienced it, but many have told me that individual, that person that's slamming their head against the wall and you know, doing all these things and violent and attacking people and all this. It's so demonic. But if you are, and see the, the lost, unregenerate say they need more mental help. No, what they need is spiritual help. They need salvation. Because they're being controlled by the demonic forces, the wicked forces of evil and wickedness. <clears throat> Mass murder. Demonic. It's demonic. It goes along with John 10.10. 10. Demonic. Depression. The flesh. We've got three enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. But when we're depressed, it's the flesh. But it's also demonic. And then eventually, and I'll be careful with this word because I've been called a task on a couple words from time to time. Self-destruction. Self-destruction. It's demonic. Jesus said He came to give us life and to give it more abundantly, not to take our life. So this bag of lies all you just little small arsenal that he has to work with. Here's some things that he does, and he's pretty good at it. When you're going through an issue, when you're going through a trial, and you're gonna, and this is why I was gonna get into the mind, what goes into our mind and thinking certain things. But this, when you're going through trials, he will he will make you think you're alone in this, and nobody cares. You're alone in this and nobody cares because you didn't get any phone calls or you didn't get anybody checking on you. And Satan will plant that fiery dart will come and you'll have that thought. You don't need to dwell on that thought. Because you know what? The one that really counts the most promised he would never leave you nor forsake you. You're alone. Nobody cares. Nobody understands. What you're going through. You're out here all by yourself on this island. 
Now, distractions. And folks, please be honest with me and with the Lord. Do you not recognize the distractions that are everywhere? The distractions. I mean, how many times in your mind do you have a thought? And it, I'm speaking from experience. You know, I'm learning how to research different things, products and different things and, you know, all these different things. I like to do a lot of ammunition comparisons and stuff. But uh, the thought pops in your mind and boy, I pick up my phone and I start going there. How many times do you have a thought pop in your mind to search out some scripture? Oh, well, I'll get around to that. I'll get there later. I'll, I'll do that. You know, I'll, there'll be a better time to do that. But listen, it doesn't stop us from doing whatever pops in our mind that we can pick up our phone and, oh, I need to send a text or, or whatever. You know, I need to answer this or what. It's distractions from the Word of God and from meditating on the Word of God. And, and I personally believe that the distractions are on the increase so much. It's just, it is just like a floodgate coming our way. Now, it's you're alone, distractions, and here's one that I've seen over and over and over out of this little bag of tricks. And y'all remember this because you it's it'll it'll pop his ugly head. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. The devil is the master at division, especially in the church and Christian families. I've seen this, and I'm not naming names, so if y'all figure out who it was 10, 15, 20 years ago, so be it. I'm not naming anybody's name. But two families attending the church, all fired up, loved North Belt, loved North Belt, and these families got together all the time. They were hamburger flipping buddies. A couple of the kids got close and they started wanting to court. And so, what happened? Both families got hurt, and I don't even remember all the details, but got hurt over this courtship issue that was going between two young people. Both families end up leaving the church. Divide and not only were their families divided, but there was a division in the church. I've had people look me in the eye in this church and say, I cannot worship under the same roof with that person, and they're gone. I've had them tell me that. I can't worship under the same roof with that person. I just wonder if that's real Christianity. I wonder if that's real attraction to the lost and dying world. And they're seeing all this and saying, man, they've got something I don't have. I want to get saved. I want to run to Jesus. I can't worship under the same roof with that person. And they're gone. 
I don't believe this auditorium would hold all the people if so many hadn't left over broken relationships with each other. I just don't think we could hold them all. But you see, the devil is good, isn't he? At dividing, and, and he'll plant something, put something, allow something, fiery darts, and we don't have enough spiritual awareness to recognize where it's coming from. And we fall right into the trap of being a part of dividing and conquering. It happens with husbands and wives. It's happened in this church. Husbands and wives. It's happened with parents and children. It's happened with church members. I believe we need to really go. And you know, John, the other day, you and I were talking about that little series I did on faith. God made it very clear. Let's go back to some basics that you did years and years and years ago. And that's why we're where we are today, why I'm talking about what we're talking about. Because the Lord has said, let's go back and review some of those things. Some basics. So the first, two weeks ago, it was take back the ground. That was Roman numeral number one. Take back the ground. Remember that? First John 1, 9. We've all probably given ground at one time or another. And if we want to really obey the Lord, let's confess our sins and because He's faithful and just, forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you take back, however you believe you take back, and it's really not my strength, my might, my power, it's God doing something, but I'm acknowledging that there's a need that I have sinned before a holy God. And, you, and as long as we sweep it under the rug, as long as we debate it and say it's not sin, and as long as we don't obey what the Lord, when He says this is sin, He's pointed it out to you, and you resist it, then we're in trouble. But when He says it's sin, confess it. As one preacher said, keep short accounts with God. Number two, stand your ground. And the you see that word stand three times in the text that we use. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. It's mentioned three different times. And it's important that we, that we understand that we... And then verse 11, this is the one we're going to be looking at. Stand against the wiles. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So the second point is to stand. We went over that a little bit last week. But stand your ground. But it's God's ground. It's God's power. It's all about Him. It's His armor. And I'm just being obedient to what He's saying to do. But I'm standing against the wiles of the devil. I'm alert. I'm aware. I'm taking the necessary action that needs to be taken because I'm going to be obedient. And see, if, if we're here today and we're saying, but I don't care what, I'm not going to be obedient. Then what? The Holy Spirit's speaking to you and, and you're saying, and, and he's saying this needs to be resolved or this needs to be reconciled and you need to respond to this. You need to confess this. I don't have to do that. I don't want to be near you in the next lightning storm whenever that comes. 
treading on the grace of God. The wiles of the devil. So I started, this is where I got distracted, Matt. I started thinking about the wiles of the devil. I looked it up, W.E. Vine and different sources. They're the tricks. They're the manipulations. The deception that's intended to trick us or deceive us. The clever schemes that Satan uses to ensnare us. The wiles. We need to stand against the wiles of the devil. Be alert. Be aware. Recognize it for what it is, where it's coming from. And stand against it, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He wants to ensnare us through temptation. When temptation comes, recognize it. Recognize that thought of temptation. And stand. Threat. The threat of failure. Somebody says, I, you need to share Christ with that person. Oh, I don't know how to do that. The threat of failure. Intimidation. We need to put on the whole armor of God. And 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, lest Satan should get an advantage. Look at that. And if you don't have that in your Bible, you need to look it up. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. See, folks, what I'm trying to do is awaken our awareness of the devices, the wiles of the devil. Trying to bring some exposure to what he's up to. And we ought to be by now, we ought to be teachers by now, the scripture says. But as many seminars, as many sermons, as many Bible studies we've been to, we ought to be alert and aware of what's going on. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. And there are so many examples. I was reading uh, some examples of what Satan does. He challenges God's Word. And I find it kind of amazing that, that Matt even mentioned, you know, Genesis, did Genesis 3.1. Did God really say? Yea, hath God said? Did God really say? And so that's a way that one of the wiles of the devil, he causes us to question the Word of God. So that we can add our spin to it. Our twist. You see, I've, I've said this for years. Our moral behavior often helps us interpret our version of the Scripture. <laughs> Somebody write that down, because I don't have that written down. Would you get that, Dwight? Would you? Thank you. Thank you very much. You're going to be my note taker today. What did I just say? Our moral behavior often dictates our own interpretation of Scripture. I like that. That just popped in my mind. No, that was the Holy Spirit. No, I'm serious. This is real. This is real. Our, I've talked about it for years, the, our moral behavior. So, so we don't want to change. 
See, that's the problem. We don't want to change when God says, okay, here's an area that I'm wanting to bring a change. I want to conform. You say, I don't want to do that. So we make Scripture say whatever we want it to say to back it up. So here are some things that are in question. We have God's Word being challenged. Did God really mean, really, really mean that sodomy is a sin? Did God really mean that? Now think about in today's society where we are and many denominations are dealing with these questions. Did God really, is He really that harsh and unloving that he would really mean that sodomy is a sin? Or you don't really believe that God really means there are really just two genders. I mean, surely not. You see, folks, this is, this is where we are today. There are denominations cratering to these questions. And they're changing their whole denominational doctrine to support what society is trying to force on us. In Luke 4, 1 through 13, the the, uh, temptation in the desert, the wilderness... If you are the Son of God, challenging Jesus' authority, who He is, are you really the Son of God? Satan. You know, Mark, I looked it up, Mark 1.34, Jesus was healing people and demonic situations were going on and He wouldn't let them speak because the Scripture says because they knew who He was. They knew who He was. So, This idea that Satan's back here saying, now if you really are, who are you really? He knew who he was. But the timing. See, there's a lot of, I heard some great preaching on these temptations in the desert. But the timing of this while of the devil. The scripture says that Jesus was hungry. He was hungry. Do you know? Have you ever thought? I mean, this is why I like practical. Have you ever thought that if he did this to the Lord Jesus, that he might do the same to us? He attacks and he knows the effectiveness of his attacks when we're in crisis or when we're in spiritual struggle and when we're physically tired. And when we are hungry, that's why, you know, years ago, did y'all, anybody even hear it or pay attention? You know, there was kind of an encouragement to the wives. If you have news that you just purchased something, uh, you don't tell your husband before he eats. You let him come in, have a wonderful meal, then you spring it on him, I just bought something. Which we don't encourage that at all. My wife and I have agreed a long time ago, we really both need to be in agreement. I mean, except on the little stuff. And it's amazing how much little stuff she can find. (laughs) You know, but uh, I mean, it's the little stuff. 
But uh, the big stuff, we, we, we agree. But or when you're even on medication. I've had, I was telling Matt here last time around, uh, I was on a strong antibiotic. And I'm going to tell you, I just felt wretched. And it was not a good time to ask me a real hard question. Because I just felt bad. I mean, I really think you could be perfectly well and take certain antibiotics and medication and you'd just feel rotten. And you'd be okay, but... And financial pressure. So here's what Satan can do. He might come and say, you know, if you were really a good Christian, this wouldn't be happening to you. If you're really a good Christian, this wouldn't be happening to you. I mean, think about it. Be honest. Think about some of the trials you've been through. Have you ever had a thought similar to that? Where Satan plants this, this fiery dart, this thought coming at you. If, if you were really living for the Lord, this wouldn't be happening. And then the thought that so many struggle with and have struggled with for years. Are you sure you're really a Christian? And that's, that's fine. You need to know that, but be sure, nail it down. And then another thought that in this time of struggle, weakness, or financial pressure, whatever it might be, where your body is just not up to par. Satan can come to you and say, you know, God's really just angry with you. He's just really upset. And he's going to do everything he can to mash you. See, these are the wild. These are some wilds of the devil that are real. Scripture bears out that Jesus was hungry. There was a challenge of God's word in Genesis, challenge of the deity of Christ. Believers are going to have to come to the place, and that's why I keep encouraging and encouraging encouraging us as a church. We're going to have to come to the place where we clearly can distinguish, and, and, I, and I'm just going to say, and I know I've referred to my wife several times, but I don't know how many times I might make a comment to her and she will say, Rod, where did that thought come from? We must be to the place where we can recognize the voice of God and discern between the voice of God and the fiery darts of the devil. You're going to have to recognize when that's the devil, that thought. I don't like that person. They don't like me. You know, where'd that thought come from? And all these black dots that we have a, a, we put on a white piece of paper. This deceitfulness, the lying voice of the devil. We must, church, we've got to get there. We've got to find a place where we can be and say, this is, this is uh, that didn't come from God. It didn't match up with God's word. And it didn't come from God. And we can help each other, husbands and wives. We need to be helping and encouraging each other. If your husband's struggling or your wife is struggling, men, that's an opportunity to encourage them. Say, so that, that, that thought, you don't need to be dwelling on that. But see, here's where believers mess up. Somebody shares something that's a wrong thought about another believer and you join in and say, you know what? I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. Now that you point it out, you're right. 
I, I think I can see that now. Thank you for pointing that out. You see, those are the kind of things we ought to be saying, look, that, that isn't, that isn't going to benefit the body of Christ. That isn't going to benefit the cause of Christ, the kingdom of God. We don't need to be thinking like that. We don't need to be dwelling on those kind of things. And I'll deal with that more next time around. We can help each other. Parents, you can encourage your children. They're going to have struggles. They will have struggles. It's important. So let me just kind of hastily move along here where I have in my notes that parents, uh, and, I, and I, this is from experience, this is from, you know, being at this a while. I think in general, I'm observing parents with a lack of cautiousness. There's a lack of cautiousness. And I think children today are being exposed to more and more through media and through electronics and through music. So much of everything has background music. And uh, we, need to, we need to be aware. So we need to be alert to the wiles of the devil. Be aware. Stand against the wiles of the devil. So here's one I shared, I, I don't know how many years ago it's been, but I, I know it's been probably 25 years ago, and uh, our kids were still at home. They were teenagers when, they, when I shared this the last time here at the church. But see, if you can imagine, we had a lot of family. We had 44 ATI families. And so there are a lot of kids, a lot of things. So I this is something that the Lord led me to say to them then, and I'm going to say it to you today. I shared that we had a policy that we did not allow our children to spend the night. And some of you might remember me saying that 25 years ago or so. Spend the night with other young people or relatives even sometimes that are not closely supervised. They need to be closely supervised, not just turn loose. Because I shared and didn't go into detail, but when I was a young, like 12-ish, I spent the night with a cousin. And that cousin exposed me to immorality that I didn't know anything about. And this was a very active family and in, in very active in church. And so I shared that because as I asked different people in my circle of friends, I asked them, well, have you ever had anything like that happen to you? Because I knew personally of some that did. That, and, and almost, almost 100%, and I didn't ask, you know, a thousand people, but a few people, almost 100% said, you know, a similar thing happened to me. And it was from a sleepover. So I made that statement in the pulpit about 25 years ago. This building wasn't here. It's over in the other building. And some liked it and some didn't. And one father came to me later and said, you know, I took heed to what you said. And my daughter was invited to a slumber party and because of what you said weeks before, 
I told her no, she could not go. And that slumber party, the father, the hosting father, did immoral things. And he said, my daughter was spared because of you encouraging us to be more aware of the possibility of letting your children go. Folks, these things, if you aren't paying attention to what's going on in the world, I've told people publicly, I don't care what people think. I would rather my children absolutely be ignorant, unable to read, than to put them in public school. And, and we have made that, and that education process has put a lot of people, that the mind, you talk about the mind, but the immorality that every year is discovered by teachers and coaches, and even I just read just recently of a police officer, high-ranking police officer. Pastors, we just had a bunch of information came out about things that have been going on for years in certain denominations with pastors and staff, and they get arrested and their, their sin is exposed for inappropriate, immoral behavior. At Second Baptist Highlands, where I pastored for a while, a young man came to me, and he said, I want to confess something to you. And I said, what's that? He said, well, we were having a lay renewal over the weekend, and I volunteered. They needed nursery workers, so I volunteered to go in the nursery. There was nobody else in there, and I did some bad things to the children in there. Now, folks, people say, whew, now, now this is really getting uncomfortable. You will not surprise me if down the road somebody says, it happened to me, but I've never said anything about it. It's happened to me. Now, folks, I believe we as parents, it's your responsibility. I had to make my decisions and each family under their, it's their family. There's a head, there's a wife, husband, and it's their call. All I can do is caution that these things do happen and you can ignore it and act like it doesn't happen. It does happen. And you only have one, it's like, my children, they have one opportunity to go through life pure. And I'm going to do, I'm going to fight, scratch, and claw to make sure that happens to the best of my ability. And I would say to you, even at a conservative Baptist church, you are responsible for watching your children. We have had sodomites here under the supervision of individuals that we knew were bringing them to hear the gospel. And we said, don't let them out of your sight. And I've personally opened a door to a room that was way back before we did away with the, the, all the individual classrooms, opened the door, and this individual was in the, in the room with a 
circle of a bunch of little kids playing a board game and the door was closed. So I encourage you, parents, the ball's in your court. You have the responsibility. It, you'll give an account to God for the decisions you make with your children. We had to do it with ours. You're going to have to do it with yours. I've relinquished. I don't, I don't, I don't tell our kids how to raise their kids. It's not my role. I had my opportunity. But I'm sounding the alarm to every person that will listen. There are things done in secret in good, solid Christian families that I believe fall under the category of the wiles of the devil. So I would encourage you, be alert. Be alert to what's going on and stand. Take back the ground. Confess your sins. I think, I think you know, when re if revival is ever going to break out, there's going to have to be some open, honest transpar transparency between believer and God. It, it's go you're gonna, we're going to have to fall on our face and be broken over what we've allowed to slip into our families and to our churches. And we've got to stand. And I'm personally taking that role as pastor to stand against the wilds. No, we don't have it all together. No, we're not perfect. We don't have... Listen, we're just as human as anybody. But I know the Word of God well enough to say this is the time to build on what God is teaching us and stand against the wilds of the devil. And church, I'm asking you, will you stand with me? against the wiles of the devil. And will you pray, at least pray, about how you allow interaction with your children and other people. Be alert, be aware, you need to watch, be careful. So we're going to have an invitation. And I distrust that we will be open and honest before God. I, I believe this. Not to be dramatic. I believe there's some people that could be in this congregation today that are carrying the scars of what might have happened to them when they were children. They've never spoken of it. They've never told anybody. But now would be a wonderful time to just fall on your face. You don't have to come to me. I'm not your... You don't have to go to the preacher. But you can fall on your face before God. Say, God, I, I, this has happened and I want to I finally deal with it. Please, I want to deal with it. So let's have our invitation. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to accomplish your will. And Lord, we just want you to be glorified. We want the name of Jesus to be exalted and lifted up. We want your church. We want your church to be a lighthouse. We want your church to, to be a lighthouse and a representative ambassador for Christ. That others would want, others would long to be a part of your body, your church. 
So we trust you now to have your way during this invitation time. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.